Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Stop your conversations. Sit down. (laughs) I heard one woe. All you extroverts are upset with me. The introverts are like, finally. (laughs) Well, good morning. My name is Rob Newfer. Tom's not with us today, so he, uh, so I get to preach. Yay. Uh, First thing that happened to our family this morning, we walked in. My son got a huge cup of coffee came right to his seat and dropped it and spilled it everywhere. So I was going to preach in Hebrews 2 this morning, but turn to Genesis 6, Noah and the flood. I'm taking that as a sign from the Lord. We will be in Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4 this morning. If you want to turn there, you can do that. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. Let me uh, get the juices flowing this way. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't know if this happens to you, but it seems like Christmas is the day that this has to happen to me. My wife loves my kids. She gets some presents, wonderful presents called Legos. And so she gets the Legos and the box comes with a thousand pieces. Maybe it's the Millennium Falcon or some fort off of Lord of the Rings or something like that. So she gets them this big, huge, giant thousand piece thing. And so my Christmas day is spent in the corner putting together a Lego set I have learned something that when you put together Lego sets, you have to pay the most careful attention to the instructions. You've got to pay really close attention to the instructions. Because if not, you spend an hour on one piece, and an hour on another piece, and maybe three on one piece, and at the end it says, okay, now put all the pieces together. And if you're off by one of those little Lego holes, one of those little Lego circles, guess what? No work. And then you know what you have to do. You have to take apart, well, there's, there's a couple options. Bad words, throw said Lego piece, or C, all of the above. And then you have to take apart every little piece and do it over again. So what I've learned, this goes with putting together furniture sets, putting together anything that comes with an instruction booklet. You got to pay the most careful attention to the instructions. Lego sets especially. Start on page one, read carefully. Page two, step by step by step. We've got to pay the most careful attention. And so that's really kind of the message this morning is God has given us a message. And with that message, we have got to pay the most careful attention. We've got to pay close attention. And so with that said, I'll read Hebrews chapter one, verses two through four. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Will you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, we do want to come to attention under your word this morning. Pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead and teach and do those things that you do in our lives, Holy Spirit, with your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection. Pray that we would be mindful as we come to your word, come to your message. Again, we are at your mercy, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would help us to learn from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so this is what I think we're going to learn today. 
We must give our full attention to God's great message of salvation because there is no escape without it. We must give our full attention to God's message of salvation because there is no escape without it. And so that's what we'll learn. I think this passage breaks down into three sections. The way I'll work it, just so you don't get confused, is I'll do the first couple verses first, then I'll go to the last verses, and then the middle verses will be my last point. So as we do this, I just don't want you to, like, hey, I think you're out of order, mister. No, I did this on purpose. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 1. I think the first part of the message, Hebrews 2 and verse 1, tells us that we've got to give, that God's message deserves our full attention to prevent drifting, to prevent drifting. It says, therefore, Hebrews 2 and verse 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. I don't know about you, but I drift. Do you drift sometimes? I love going to the beach, Lake Michigan. Here's how it always works. We go and get a place really close to the surf, and then we go out and surf and play. Anybody do that? Are you connecting with me yet? Okay, so we get out in the surf and we play. And we're playing in the surf, and... Next thing you know, here's the spot where we started and we find ourselves over here. Whatever the direction of the surf is, we're playing, we're playing. We're not trying to drift, but we are, even just playing in the surf. Five more minutes later, we're over here. Maybe five minutes later, we're over here. And when we get really hungry and want food, we've got to walk all the way back over. See, we drifted and we didn't even know we were doing it. This says, therefore, we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so the message that the author of Hebrews is saying is you've got to pay attention to what you've heard. The therefore is there for a reason, so let's go back and see why. He begins with therefore. I think what he wants to remind us of is everything that he's been saying up to that point. But I just want to take you to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Because I think this gears us up for what he's saying. It says, long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's the message that we heard, Hebrews 2, verse 1. That's the message that we have to pay the most careful attention to. The message God has spoken to us by his son. I want you to think about this. We serve a God who speaks. We serve a God who has broken the silence. We serve a God who was transcendent outside of time and space, and he's entered time and space to to reveal himself to us. I did this exercise with with the class. I'll do it with you. If I tell you, let's play word association. I'm going to say a word. You tell me what comes to your mind. And I said, God, what comes to your mind? If I say the word God, what comes to your mind? Now, it'll be a host of things. I don't want audible answers unless you really want to, but it'll be a host of things. Some people will say God is power. Some people will say God is love. Some people will say, when when you say that, I think of Jesus. All kinds of things come to your mind when I say God. But why? Because God has revealed himself. Where did you hear all those things that God has revealed himself to you about himself? His message, he told you. God interrupted the silence. He came in, he spoke. In fact, the world came into existence because God spoke. Adam and Eve were forgiven of their sin because God spoke. The promise of the Redeemer because God spoke. And so God breaks the silence. He comes into the silence. He comes where we are. He meets us and God speaks. And so the author of Hebrews is telling us in Hebrews 2 verse 1, 
He said, remember, therefore, we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. The author of life, the God of the universe, the creator God, has spoken. Let that sink in. Let the gravity of that hit you. God spoke. You think it's optional if we hear him? Do you think it's optional if we pay attention? No, that's really all the author of Hebrews is saying. We've got to pay careful attention to what God has said. And the message, of course, comes through his son, Jesus Christ. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so you want to hear God's revelation, God's message. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. So we've got to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. I mentioned this idea of drift already. It happens without us even knowing it. If I asked for a show of hands and said, hey, has anybody drifted this week? And you know, that's metaphorical for drifting away from spiritual things, maybe, or drifting into sin. Huh? I won't ask for a show of hands. I won't embarrass myself, but I know if I did, my hand would go up. Yeah, I've drifted this week. Maybe you've drifted this week too. I like what David said this morning. You're in a good place if you've drifted. The table in the back reminds us that if we drift, thank you, Amelia, I was going to say your name and it slipped me. Thank you, Amelia, for reminding us this morning through the table. When you drift, guess what? There's a great God who stood on the cross to forgive your sins. And he's been resurrected and he's seated at the right hand of God to intervene for you. I think I'm drifting in the message, so let me go look at my notes. Yeah, I want to talk about this idea of drifting for just a moment. I want to prove it from other scripture, how easy it is to drift, how natural it is to drift. And so I'll look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 4 with you. You don't need to turn there unless you've got a device, maybe, and you're super quick. But I'm not going to give you time. I'm just going to start reading. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, And the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's the bad news. He says, but God next, and gives us the good news. But the point that I want to make is he talks about following the course of this world. The next scripture I'll read will have the same thing, following the course of this world. Listen, this world, the prince of the power of the air who is in charge of things on earth, this world, I look at it kind of like a conveyor belt. Anybody been to the airport? Atlanta airport I know has one. I don't know. Maybe some other airports are, but you have your bags maybe and you walk up and you just stand. You get on this little conveyor belt and it just starts taking you. Sometimes you fall on your face like I almost, you know, like, and, and, then, and then you just ride. You're just riding the conveyor belt. You don't have to do anything. You're just standing there. You're just riding. See? The course of this world. If we do nothing, if we don't pay attention, if we do nothing, then the course of this world just takes us. It's just a drift. And so what the author is saying is you better lock in. You better pay attention. You better switch on because I've given you a message, God of the universe, through my son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to pay attention because if you don't, you're going to drift. And so if you've been drifting this week, we've got an antidote already. We've got to pay attention to the word that God has given us. 
One more passage I'll read just to kind of, it says a very similar thing. It says, formerly, Galatians 4, 8, and 9, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those who by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather are known by them, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? I mean, Paul is really kind of wagging a finger right now and saying, what are you doing? You knew the truth. You heard the message, but now you're starting to drift. You're turning back to the weak and worthless, the elementary principles of this world. Paul says, course of this world in Ephesians. Here he says, the weak and worthless elementary things of this world. Again, I'll say it. I think we have a tendency to drift. I'll say it only for myself. If it, if it occurs to you too, then, then fine. I have a tendency to drift. There's an antidote. It's to pay the most careful attention to the person of Jesus Christ, to what we have heard in the context of this book. Okay. So we see that God's message, message deserves our full attention to prevent drifting. Now we're going to see that God's message deserves our full attention because God himself validated it. God validated his message or his word. And so let me read Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. It says, It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore signs or bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let me read that one more time. It's a mouthful. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. I think this tells us that God validated his message. It says it was spoken at first by the Lord. And so he's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you, I want you to think of what Jesus Christ did when he came to this earth. He came and he spoke. What's the very first introduction to his ministry? He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus went about preaching and teaching. And almost everything that Jesus said had some touch to Old Testament scripture to it, did it not? I mean, you cut Jesus and he bleeds scripture. Scripture pours out of his mouth continually. And so Jesus comes and he preaches this message to us. It says it was declared at first by the Lord. And so let me just challenge you real quick with a... If it was declared at first by the Lord, then we ought to be in the Gospels. We ought to be reading the message of Jesus Christ. Yes? Yes. Jesus Christ declared the message of God. That's the message we've got to pay attention to. So get in the Gospels. That was my challenge when I read this originally. It's like, boy, I better read the Gospels a little bit more closely to see what Jesus said. And then he says what? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And that's the apostles. That's the teaching of the apostles. If you look at the Gospels, here's the thing. Jesus is the the, the main character. There's no question about it. Jesus is the main character. But why worry about sub-characters? Jesus, the God of the universe, is the main character. Why worry about sub-characters? Well, here's why. Because Jesus is going to put his Holy Spirit in those sub-characters, and they're going to go out and start the church. That's what the book of Acts is all about, isn't it? It's the acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles as they go out and start the church. And so these sub-characters, they get a lot of press in the Gospels, don't they? 
Why? So that we know that as we go move forward, these are the ones who have been with Jesus. They've heard Jesus. They've heard his teachings. Jesus has promised to start a church with them. And so we get to hear about Peter and James and John and the characters of the disciples. So they get press time. That's my point. Well, we're going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Let me read it one more time. It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard, the apostles, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let me read for you 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I want you to hear what one of the apostles says. He says, that which was from the beginning, this is 1 John Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. Did you hear that? Did you hear what John said? He was trying to be as emphatic as as possible. He said, I heard him. I saw him. I touched him with my hands. I knew Jesus Christ. And that's the one I'm proclaiming to you right now. See, See, we have the message of Jesus Christ. We've got it right here. And we better pay attention to it. That's what he's saying. And so it was proclaimed at first by the Lord, and then it was proclaimed by those who knew him. John says it right there. I'm testifying, I'm proclaiming. Listen to the language of this passage. I'm testifying, I'm proclaiming, I'm telling you what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched with my hands, the message of Jesus Christ. And so John is very forthright in in his witness of Jesus. Peter is too. 2 Peter 1, verses 16 through 21, a long scripture. Again, switch on with me. 2 Peter... Chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly, this is Peter, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. We were eyewitnesses to his majesty. And so Peter's telling us without reservation. John told us without reservation, I was with Jesus Christ. I hung out with him, I heard him, I saw him, I touched him. What I'm really trying to do is validate this message because that's what God did. He validated his message. What you have in front of you is the message of Jesus Christ. It's told by those who were with him, those who hung out with him, those who broke bread with him. Amelia read from Matthew where the Last Supper, where Jesus talked to them and said, do this in remembrance of me. That's why we do it to this day. I feel like I'm telling you a lot of stuff you already know. This is a reminder though, and we need that. I think I do. I'll read Hebrews 2, 3, and 4 one more time just so I can get my place back. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. I want to talk about this idea of God validating his word by signs and wonders and gifts and miracles and by the Holy Spirit for just a moment. There are a couple of points in, in the history that we have 
where God's power, his energy, his, his, there's an explosive movement of God, right? Creation. Creation. God speaks and what happens? Everything happens. There's a, there's a movement. There's power. There's explosive force that goes out from God's word. God speaks. Creation happens. Maybe next we'll go to the flood. The, the, just a cataclysmic events. Big deal. Everything happens. God speaks. He judges. Flood. The earth breaks apart. The rains come down. Stuff they'd never seen before. In judgment, God speaks. And his energy, his power, his might is on display, right? Next go to maybe the exodus. What happened at the exodus? God says to Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He's not going to hear you. But I'll show him. I'll use my might, my power, my glory to show him. And then he'll have to let you go. And that's exactly what happened. We see signs, wonders, miracles. God's power on display. Next, we see God's power on display in the person of Jesus Christ. Who else walks up to somebody and says, be healed, receive your sight? You can't hear? Here, now you can hear. Uh, You're lame, you're crippled for life since birth? Be healed. Who else can do that? Jesus Christ. Power comes out of him. When's, When's the last time that we know of that God's power and might were on display in that magnitude? I'm not saying he doesn't work regularly. I'm not saying from creation to the flood he didn't work. I'm saying there's this big movement of power and energy by the Holy Spirit of God. When else? It's when he validated his word. Read the book of Acts, right? That's what the book of Acts is all about. This power, this energy, this Holy Spirit movement that's going out to start the church and to validate God's word. So I want to read just a couple verses for you that show God's power, his energy on display during the book of Acts. Acts 2 and verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. And so again, in the person of Jesus Christ, God's power, his might, his glory, all on display in the person of Jesus Christ. Acts 2 and verse 43, and awe came upon every soul and many sunder, uh, well, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so here's the apostles going out, taking the message of Jesus Christ out into the world, and God is accompanying them with many signs and wonders, the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 5 and verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. I think you're getting the point. I got one more. Seems like I'm saying the same thing. The Bible's saying the same thing. God's power was on display as his word went out to start the church. Acts 14 and verse 3, So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I think that says it. Let me read it one more time. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So we've talked so far about giving God our full attention to prevent drifting, this drift that tends to happen, at least in my life, we got to give God's message our full attention to prevent that. God's message deserves our full attention because he validated, validated it with signs and wonders and power. So finally, we're going to look and see that God's message deserves our full attention because there's no salvation without it. 
There is no salvation without it. Hebrews 2, verses 2 and 3. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. And so the argument is conditional. It's from lesser to greater. The lesser is angels. The greater is the message of Jesus Christ. And the author says, listen, if the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, then certainly the message declared by Jesus, if we ignore that, there is no salvation without it. I think that just intuitively makes sense to us. The God of the universe has spoken. The God of the universe who is on our side, he broke the silence. Remember Hebrews 1.1? God breaks the silence. He enters in and he communicates to us the way of salvation. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The message declared by angels, I think that's what he's talking about here. If that proved to be reliable, and the word of Moses did prove to be reliable, did it not? The law was in effect after Moses put it into effect, was it not? Did every transgression and obedience receive a just retribution? It did. We can read about it throughout the history, starting from the Exodus, moving on forward throughout the the, the kingdom, the divided kingdoms. We can see that the message of God, the Old Testament, the law, proved to be reliable. It was in effect. God affected his word. And every retribution and disobedience, or every disobedience received a just retribution. If that's the case, if that's true, if the message declared by angels through Moses, or from angels to Moses to the people of Israel, if that proved to be reliable, if that proved to be in effect, then certainly the message of Jesus Christ is in effect. Certainly there is no salvation without it. This great God of the universe has come and he's communicated salvation to us. We talked about it already with the table. God has come into into this world and he said, you are far from me. You are far from me and there's no hope for you to get back. But I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way for you to come back to me. Anybody far from God this morning? Anybody drifting? The God of the universe wants you back, and he's done something about it. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He didn't sin, yet he was a sacrifice. He got up on that cross and sacrificed himself. His body was broken, his blood was shed for you and for me to bring us to God, to bring us back to God. And so if you're far from God, if you find yourself drifting this morning, if you've never heard the message of salvation, I will tell you that there's no escape without it. There's no B plan. There's only the A plan. The A plan that God laid out in his scriptures, the message that he communicated to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The A plan is accept Jesus Christ's invitation to draw near to God. If you haven't accepted that invitation this morning, we'll have ministry time shortly, and you can do that.
I'll close with one quick illustration. Again, this argument is from lesser to greater. My wife was really excited the other day. She said, Rob, guess what I did? I said, what? She said, I ordered an atlas. Does anybody know what an atlas is? She said, I'm going to teach our kids how to read an atlas. I said, why? She said, it was only $17. And I said, wow, $17 for something that's completely obsolete. Nobody uses them anymore. Nobody uses atlases. But that was the way, maybe some of you older folks remember. You get in a car, you get your atlas, and you thumb, you know, all the different pages, especially if you're traveling a long distance, you thumb all the pages that you got to do, and, you, and somebody's got to be sitting there reading it and say, oh, oh, our, our turn, I think, is coming up. GPS is so much easier. Come on. Why buy an atlas? I don't know. But my wife did. I love her. I supported her in that $17 to teach our kids just in case. Just in case, I think, is the point. Look, if I give you an atlas and I show you the way and I say, hey, I want you to get from point A to point B. So I give Mara the atlas and I say, this is the way to go. Don't deviate because you got to get there at a certain time. Don't deviate. I've already based this out. It'll only take an hour. This is what you do. I give her the atlas. She says, okay. Gets in the car and goes. If she deviates, hour and five minutes, hour and 10 minutes. If she does anything other than what I showed her in the atlas... Old Testament, maybe I think is what we're saying is the atlas. It, was, it, it would get you from A to B. But the GPS has come. The GPS is here. Jesus. I don't know if that's sacrilegious or not to call Jesus a GPS, but he's the way. He shows us the way to God. You couldn't get by neglecting the atlas. You certainly can't get by neglecting Jesus Christ. There's one way to God. Jesus is on that way. I'm going to read the passage one more time in its entirety just to kind of tie up any loose ends. Hebrews 2, 1 1 through 4, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. A couple points of application. Make the intake of God's word a regular part of your life. Look, folks, again, there is no B plan. God said, I'm going to show you the way to salvation. And he did. The way to salvation is written plainly and clearly in this book. Make the intake of God's word a regular part of your life. Submit to the Bible even if you disagree with it. Hey, if you're not reading the Bible and it's not rubbing you wrong occasionally, you may not be reading it right. Because the God of the universe has some things to say that our culture doesn't agree with. Huh? Our culture will tell you one way, but what did Paul already say about the course of this world? Hey, jump on the conveyor belt at Atlanta airport and you're riding. You're not doing anything. You're drifting. Culture will tell you one way to do things. God's word says another. Who are we going to believe? Even if the Bible chafes you and rubs you wrong, and it should... I'm going to spin for just a minute. I apologize. A lot of people think, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe I used to think, I'll put it that way. I won't put words into your mouth or thoughts into your head. I used to think that God was not for my good, not for my pleasure, didn't want me to have fun. So we made all these creepy rules. Don't do this and don't do that. That's fun. Stop now. God knows us. He's sewn the very insides of your soul together. He knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you. He's for you. He wants the best for you. He's on a mission. He's conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God wants your best. And so if he says don't do something, you can guarantee that it's in your best interest not to do that. Had another thought and it's gone. That's probably the Lord's way of telling me, we got to finish. El Kamal's calling. <laughs> All right, one more point. Make it a name to practice what you read. I'll be honest with you, i got a problem with this one. Sometimes just because of my work and because of the stuff I do, I, I spend a lot of time in God's word, and I accumulate knowledge. we we got to commit to putting this into practice. I, that's why I love Tom's preaching. It's so practical. It's so down to earth. It's so, here it is. Go do it. We've, we've got to commit to listening to God's word. Regular intake, okay? Submit to it even when you disagree with it. And then read it with the intention of going and doing something about it. God has given us a great message of salvation. His son, Jesus Christ. There's no salvation without it, so we've got to be switched on. We've got to pay attention. All right, let's pray, and then I'll introduce Dave. Father in heaven, we do love you. We do praise you. Uh, thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. We want to submit to this this morning. Thank you for showing us the way of salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for validating that message. Thank you for making it clear to us that you've spoken to us in Jesus Christ. Pray that you'd bless the hearers of this message this morning. As we go into ministry time, Lord God, there, there, I'm sure there are needs out there. I just pray, Father, that you would move us to respond to your word in worship and get healing. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey.